So it, it, it made me think about, you know, well, what was the benefit to Abraham? And that's a question that a lot of us might ask, regardless of how selfish that it sounds. We still ask that question. And, and I, I realized that what was most important and most beneficial to Abraham was that journey, that process that he had to go through for spiritual maturity and, and just, you know, in the development of wisdom, the development of knowledge, and how much that Abraham was given the opportunity to learn about God. Um, in addition to that, Abraham learned a lot about himself. So the thing is, God knows our hearts. It wasn't a process for God to get to know who Abraham was. It was a process for Abraham to get to know himself and, and how God viewed Abraham, all right? So um, the covenant that was made with Abraham was for generations. So there was no way that Abraham was going to be able to see all of it from beginning to end to start with. But I, I can't stress enough that the most important thing about the promise was the process, even more so for Abraham. Like the promise is important, but the promise is important for everybody that's impacted after it comes to fruition. It wasn't important to Abraham. What was most important was that process. And the, the parallel that I draw is that we're promised salvation, all right? But the promise is just part of it. What's most important to us is that process from receiving that promise of salvation to seeing it come to fruition. So the first thing we're gonna look at or the, or the failures, and, and the failure in Abraham's story, um, everybody knows the story, but, but what's important about the failure is that it taught Abraham patience, and it showed Abraham how impatient he actually was. Now, when we look at Genesis chapter 16, verses one through four, it says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Okay, before I jump into this, we gotta understand that in Abram's life, he had no children, okay? So for, for him, he was given a promise. He was given a promise about being the father of this great nation. He had no children, no possible way to get that done. Okay, verse two, and Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now, this gives us a great, a great study, I feel, on impatience. Um, it helps us to see how relevant that is to our individual lives. It teaches us a great deal about the emotion of restlessness and, and like what, what that does to us, how, how it, it's manifested, and then the result of that thing. So, Restlessness and impatience, it, it's an emotion that gets tired of waiting, it gets fed up with something that delays us, and it arouses us to act or react before we should. 
And this is the problem that Abraham had. So again, Abraham and his wife were unable to bear children. And in, in those days, like that's a serious problem. It was important to be able to have a male so that there's an heir to everything that you've owned. All right, and, and Abraham was rather wealthy. When he left, it says he left from where he was at, he took a lot of gold, a lot of cattle, and a lot of people with him. All right, now, what, what happens here is they begin to rationalize with each other. Um, they're, they're waiting on God to fulfill this promise, and they're under the time constraints that we have as humans. God doesn't have a time constraint. He also doesn't have the same inability to understand all of the information. He knows all from the beginning to the end. He knows time from the beginning to the end. Now, you got to think, they got to start wondering, okay, could God be waiting on us to do something before this happens? So they've obviously tried to have a baby and they were, they were unsuccessful. And, and they probably rationalize the way that we do. Hey, doesn't God help those who help themselves, right? Maybe God will move, if I do 20%, he'll do the other 80. Maybe there's something that I'm missing here and I need to get up and make a move. If we do this, won't God do that, right? And then a lot of times we make a mess for ourselves and then, then we start thinking, oh, well, you know, God is merciful and God knows my heart. And, and God should deliver me from this mess that I've created for myself. Now, I'll, I'll say this. In scripture, God has been very clear when it's time for you to wait, he tells you to wait, okay? If he doesn't give you further instruction, then you need to wait, all right? Now there's some groundwork that needs to be done there. And this, this was Abraham's and Sarah's position. They had some groundwork to do. There was part of the process. They had to reignite that old flame, right? You think about the age that they were at and that part of their lives that it, it you know, included the intimacy had to be long gone. They probably settled into routines. You know, Abraham had certain things that he did. He had his hobbies, you know, Sarah had her hobbies that kept her busy. And then they would meet up at the end of the day. It was much, much like they were roommates, right? But when God gave the instruction and the promise that they would have a child, it was on them to work together to make that happen. Now I get where Sarah's coming from, because this is a problem that we have also. We say, well, I know God made this promise and I know God can do it, but does it actually include me? And that's, that's like a heavy one that weighs on, on all of us. I know it does. We say, oh, well, Great, I know God can do this thing, right? But why would he use me? That's the other part. Like, how can he use me? Why would he use me? I'm sure Sarah had these same problems and it wasn't just impatience. Like we, we see the impatience here. We understand because they've mentioned several times, oh, shall I have kids while I'm old and stricken at age? You know, so the, the impatience is, is a big part of it. But the other part of it is Sarah had to she had to accept her husband being with another woman, right? And how could she rationalize that other than maybe, maybe God has to do this without me. Maybe I'm not included in this. And, and Sarah, out of her impatience, out of her doubt, she concocts this plan and it's easy 
for Abraham to grab hold of that because he also understood how they were bound by age. And the consequence of this action was terrible. Almost immediately, we see that once the handmaid conceived, she began to despise Sarah. And this became a difficult household situation. Like, remember I said they had a routine going, everything, you know, was going good. They figured they would ride off into the sunset, right? But now we have this battle that's right in their home, all right? Now, the, the hard part, I have to believe, once the trouble starts, the hard part has to be Abraham trying to figure, well, if she came up with this, <laughs> Why, why is it all of a sudden, you know, the roof is coming down and, and it's my fault? <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but, but I, I get it. I get where Sarah's coming from. She came up with the idea. Abraham didn't have to go along with it, right? There, there was something there. There was something there where Abraham, you know, decided, okay, yeah, you, you got me. You know? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the other part to Sarah's doubt, though, was that up until this point, Sarah wasn't specifically mentioned or called out in any of these promises. And I, I think this is where Abraham learned something, something very key. Okay. So what Abraham learns is that God understands who we are what our desires are. He places certain people in our lives for specific purposes. And when we go out on our own and create relationships, okay, when, when the relationship is forced, it's not something that flows, right? You're walking with God, certain things just flow. When you force relationships with certain people, trouble is right around the corner. This whole passage reminds me of a scripture out of Galatians. It's Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? All right. And their time, you know it's not common for somebody to just have one woman. There are people out there that have a lot of them. Abraham began this journey on faith but now they're trying to complete that journey through the flesh. Those two things don't work, all right? Now, when we look at it now, it seems easy, right? Hindsight is twenty-twenty. Like, oh, Abraham should have known that that wasn't gonna work out. But it's so easy for us to get caught up in certain things and our heart's in the right place right? Our desires, our minds in the right place. But the way these things get executed, they cause contention. They don't mesh. You can't start something in the spirit and then go and finish that thing in the flesh. Now, in, in Abraham's defense, the other thing that I realized is that with Abraham being the father of faith, it's just like maybe somebody being um, the father of science or the father of architecture. They've dedicated their life to this thing and they've had to learn along the way. So it's not like Abraham was the father of faith because he had all the answers and he had all of the faith 
that there ever was to be had. It was because Abraham had committed himself, his life, to the process. He committed himself and his life to the promises of God, and he was willing to stick it out until it got into the end. Now, out of his failures, what he learned here was patience, all right? And patience is huge. And that brings me to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So what, what he learned out of his failures was patience, and what we're able to learn from Abraham's failures is patience. Patience, patience, patience. I can't say it enough. Like you get a promise from God, it sounds excellent. Maybe, you know, God tells you, or, or maybe God is, is working with you to make you, I don't know, a counselor. Don't jump in over your head and start trying to save the world with that little bit of information that you got. There's a process that needs to take place. And give yourself some slack because there's failures as part of that process. And the only way to learn the patience is through the failures. Now once he's learned this patience, he's able to better handle and sustain himself through the delays, which is the next point. We look at Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. It says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. So after you have got the promise, you've had some failures, and you've learned patience, now it's time to exercise that patience. And this is where the exercise of patience allows you to experience revelation. Man, so God had showed Abraham a lot of things over the course of his life. When he first called him out of where he was at, it was time for Abraham to get up and move. All right? Now, to me, that doesn't sound hard because Abraham was wealthy. So packing up and taking a trip is nothing. I'm sure he trusted God to help him along that journey. But when we think about it, there's not a whole lot to that, right? Abraham had also got into a couple of fights. Like there was a time when Lot had got kidnapped from being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's something different. But Abraham gets drugged into it. He has to go fight and get his family back. And he does that. But fighting's not hard when you got people on your side. He didn't have to fight by himself. He had a team of people that went with him, and again, he still had money. So if his soldiers died, he'd buy some more, all right? It's not that hard. He hasn't gotten to the hard part yet, all right? Abraham knew a lot about God, but what he didn't know about God was that our God is the God of the impossible, all right? Now, on, on top of what Abraham has experienced, you got to remember, He's also seen these things happen. He's seen people take trips and come back, and they were fine. 
He's seen people go to war, get into battle, come back, and they're fine. What he hasn't seen is somebody that was knocking on the door of 100 years old have a baby. He had never seen that before. This is something brand new to him. So through the patience and the revelation, we gain depth of understanding, which is critical for us on our journey. What Abraham learned about faith at this point is that faith is beyond the present, it's beyond the physical, and it's well beyond the possible. When you go to exercise your faith, don't feel like you're, you're struggling when you exercise faith for the small things. I, I get it that you know God helps us out in the small things, and that's huge, but God wants you to open your mind so he can show you something well beyond what you ever thought was possible. Now the path that he had to go down here was one that he had never seen walked before. It's one that he, had, he himself had never gone down before. He had no examples for what he was getting into. I'll pause here and, and say like the thing about miracles is that if they, were, if they were easy and they were fathomable, they wouldn't be called miracles and they wouldn't be as important when you encounter them in your life. But with, with Abraham, what he's seeing is he, it's like slow, a slow pace for him, but he's seeing a miracle being stirred up and being delivered in his life. And I think about Abraham's position as the father of faith and seeing something like this happen and I know, like, it, for, for myself, I'm the first person in my family to ever go to college, all right? I've never seen anybody go through and do that. I've never, I've, I've never experienced that. It's something that I had to trust God to help me to get through. You might be the first person in your family that has to do something, right? You might be the first person in your family that has to get rid of a certain type of hatred that's been passed down from generation to generation. Like maybe you, you're the one that has to break that cycle of addiction for your family. What, whatever it is that you're pioneering the path for, Abraham gave us the blueprint. Now like I had mentioned, for this promise to, to finally come, they had, to, they had to go through this process. They had to go back to doing things that had caused them disappointment in the past, right? It's, a, it's unfortunate, and I, I wish there, like, this was an easier concept to grasp. But the other part of Abraham and Sarah's struggle was that they had to face their disappointment head on in order for this to happen. There was no other way for them to have a baby, all right? I'm sure you might find something on the internet that tells you otherwise, but there's only one way for this thing to work. And, and they've tried, and they've tried, and they've tried, and they've tried, and they've failed over and over and over again. They had to keep going through that disappointment over and over and over again. But the thing is, how else can you know 
that only God can do something. If you haven't experienced all of those disappointments, it's a part of the journey and, and you have to love the journey and the process. They finally see it come to fruition. And I, I know it was hard for them. We've seen that they made missteps. They've had to fight this urge to rush the process day in and day out. But in Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So after they've, they've waited, after they've failed, after they've gotten to know each other again, after they've experienced disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, they finally get to see this promise come to fruition in their lives. Now, Abraham is supposed to make a nation out of his seed, right? And we often think of Isaac as Abraham's only son. Unfortunately, that's not true, right? Because he had Ishmael, okay? Now, in Abraham's life, Ishmael was his only son for 13 years. It was all that he knew. Even though it didn't work out how he thought it would work out, and it ended up not being a part of God's plan, there's still an attachment there. That's still his firstborn son. He loved Ishmael. He had to. And for 13 years, it was his only son. But now that Sarah has conceived and has had a son, now we got a problem. There's another problem. They've already been living through these problems, and, that, and now we got another one. It, it, it's, it hurts. It, it has to hurt that Abraham's firstborn son had to be pushed out. When you've committed so much time and so much of your energy into something only to find out that that's not God's plan and you gotta push it out, there's a certain level of pain that comes with that. And I don't feel like we give that enough, we don't give that enough importance in Abraham's story. When we talk about it, we just talk about, hey, he had Ishmael, they had to get rid of Ishmael, and now he's got Isaac, and now he's gotta sacrifice Isaac. But there's more to it than that. You, you have to look at Abraham as another human being, because he is. He's just like we are. He's no different than us. A little older, a little more dead, but he's the same as we are, right? He's exactly the same. He's a person. He has desires. He has hopes. Having to give up on Ishmael after 13 years, he probably was teaching him all sorts of things, sharing stories with him, about you know what it was like for him growing up, all of these human experiences that Abraham had. And then he had, he had to let him go. And it, it's crazy because now, if you have an illegitimate kid and they have to go, you might see them on Facebook, maybe they'll do a 23andMe and they'll find you. 
down the road or something. But there was no way that Abraham was ever going to see this kid again. He walked out of his life and that was the end of it. No more Ishmael. But now he has Isaac. This makes it even harder for him to sacrifice Isaac, if you ask me. When we look at what God is asking him to do, it's absurd. Abraham had a child. First of all, he didn't think he could have a child. He slips up, he has a child with Hagar. Now he's probably thrilled he has a kid. Then his wife hates her. But now he loves the kid. He's caught between a rock and a hard place. And man, he has Isaac. And now God is asking him to sacrifice Isaac. The level of surrender that it takes to be able to give away something like that. We've only seen that paralleled in the work of Christ. But if you think about what we're called to do, we're called to have the mind of Christ, right? We're called to follow Christ. We're called to the same level of surrender that Christ and Abraham both exhibited. You have to be so confident with your trust in God that there's nothing that you're willing to hold back from it. When he led him to absolute surrender, it was part of the process, right? We feel like the process was just getting him to have a kid so that he could have this nation of people and they could all attribute their lives to Abraham. But that's not the case. What God was leading Abraham to as the father of faith was an exhibition of complete and total surrender. God did not test Abraham in this so that he might prove himself to God. God already knew what was in Abraham's heart. He knows all things. Abraham needed to know his own heart. Okay? So, God knows how far you're willing to go. But do you know how far you're willing to go for God? And this is what the process is all about. Right? This is exactly what the process is all about. And what Abraham showed us is that it is possible for man to make an absolute surrender and sacrifice of himself to God. All that he is and all that he has. Abraham is in the mindset of, this is it. I had a kid before Ishmael. I thought it was a fluke. God made a miracle happen. I had another one. How many more kids can I possibly have in me? All right? He's got to feel like, you know, this is the end. This is the end of the line. I've done all that I can do. And now God wants me to sacrifice the only thing that I have left. Abraham was used to having goods, right? This is the other thing we have to understand. Abraham didn't come from poverty. So it wouldn't have been a thing for Abraham to lose goods, all right? What's important to Abraham is his legacy at this point. This is of the utmost importance. There is nothing more important until we realize that Abraham was willing to sacrifice that for God. There was something more important than his legacy. It was his love for God. 
Abraham demonstrated a lot of things in this act. He demonstrated that a person can know God personally. There were a lot of times where in Abraham's travels, God would reveal something to him. Abraham would build up a monument to honor God, remember him. He had learned so much about God through this process. Abraham demonstrated that a person can love God above all things, above all else. And that's hard to do. It's hard to love yourself that much. You know, and for Abraham to put that much into his love for God, it really tells us something. Abraham also demonstrated that a person is able to glorify God above all else. It's funny because I think of another parallel. We, we see people go overboard for all kinds of things, all kinds of things. We see it all the time. And at the time, it wasn't, I guess, taboo for somebody to sacrifice a human being. You know, it happened from time to time back then, right? It's funny to me, though, that when it's time for God's people to do something just as wild and absurd as somebody else, there's always a struggle. There's a back and forth. God, you sure you want me to do that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you know what you're talking about right now, God. Maybe there's, maybe there's something else that you're, you're holding back. I don't know if this is the right, the right way. You sure you want me to give that up? I don't know if you really want me to give that up. Maybe give me a sign or two. Come on. We got to be sure here. Can't make no mistakes. Measure twice, cut once, right? <laughs> we don't want to make no mistakes here. We have that problem where we find out about ourselves that we're not willing to go as far as we thought we would. This is the purpose of the process, to find out more about ourselves, to learn and understand the nature and the love of God. There was another thing that I had thought about in all of this. I find it interesting that Abraham went along with having a baby with Hagar because he loved Sarah so much. But the thing that, <clears throat> the thing that Abraham didn't understand is that God loved Abraham so much that there was no way he would do anything to cause that kind of pain to Sarah because Abraham loved Sarah that much. It's interesting that God cares about what we care about as, as long as it's in line with God's word. Let me be clear on that point. As long as it's in line with God's word. God ordained marriage. So in Abraham's love for Sarah, God will honor that. He's not going to make Abraham have kids with somebody else and cause that kind of pain and discord in the house. Don't ever think that God called you to do something that's going to result that way. Our God is not a God of chaos, okay? As we continue to talk about, about Abraham, the other thing that I realized about this story is that Abraham had demonstrated that a person can reach an unusual height 
of spiritual maturity, a maturity that stands out as a great testimony of God. You think about what it takes to have the, that level of patience. You get a promise from God, the promise from God is in line with the desires of your heart, and you're about ready to die. But you gotta wait. Like you, you don't have that much time left. And then, and then God wants you to wait anyway. That is an unusual level of spiritual maturity. To be able to sit still when God tells you to be still, when everything in you is telling you not to be still. I, I just, <laughs> I find it so, so wild that Abraham was able to muster up that kind of fortitude to be able to, to hold on until the promise came to fruition. But I'm reminded, I'm reminded of a scripture, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You remember what I said about Abraham having to relive that disappointment? He had to take up a cross daily, daily. It wasn't as though God wrote on a tablet Sarah's ovulation chart, and then they were able to figure out exactly when the magic needed to happen for this thing to work. Every day he had to relive the disappointment, and they had to get through that in order for this to happen. He had to have enough maturity to stay patient with God and enough faith to know that God would not steer him wrong. So, the next thing I noticed about Abraham is how he demonstrated that a person can be completely surrendered to God. I keep harping on this, but it had to be so hard to lose one child through no fault of your own. This was just to keep the peace in the house, right? But then the second child, you have to, you have to give away. You have to make a conscious choice and say, okay, okay, God, I give it to you. You have to accept it. Just try to internalize that, what it would take for you to do something like that. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. To surrender yourself means to give everything away, not to hold anything back. I think what's so difficult about that is as we go through life and we have different relationships with people, there's something that we hold back. Yes. Nobody ever knows us completely, right. right? Even after you've married someone, you've spent years with that person, there's still things that you learn. You don't know everything. 
That's only a constraint that we have in our minds. And you think about this. God knows everything about you. So when you think you're holding something back, you really ain't holding anything back. He already knows it. This is in your mind. This is a mental block that you personally have to overcome in order to make yourself fully available to God. The other thing that Abraham demonstrates is that a person's faith can be victorious over all things, no matter what the trial is. All right? So however, however you want to think about this, it's up to you. I don't know what you're holding back. I don't know. God knows. You know. God knows that you know. <laughs> All right? So you need to work that out. Yeah, we're given salvation, but you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't just happen. It's a process. It's a journey. 1 John 5, verses 4 through 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the faith that we need to have and we need to cherish. We need to nurture this faith. We need to build on this faith because this is the faith that's going to get us through. There's no other way to overcome all of the trials that we have to face in our lives without that faith. The last thing I feel like Abraham had demonstrated was that a person can put God first before all else, no matter the cost. What you think is important is nowhere near as important as Abraham's two sons were to him. You think it's important. It's not as important. Remember, this is the only thing that Abraham had left. This was it. Because he wasn't consumed with material things. He was focused on life. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Abraham was willing to put everything aside for God, specifically for God. Everything. All of it. The thing that Abraham got here wasn't even written yet, but it's Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He had full confidence that if he just gave everything to God, it was going to work out. We spend a lot of time talking about Abraham getting prepared to go up on the mountain for the sacrifice, him getting Isaac out of bed, getting him ready so they could go up there. We talk about how Abraham learned about the provision of God upon that mountain. 
I feel like what we don't talk about enough is the level of surrender that Abraham learned through the entire experience. All of those other things are, are great. They're great principles to know and to understand. Who wouldn't be excited to know that God is their provider? Who wouldn't be excited to know that God is going to defend you when you go into battle? But I feel like what's equally, if not more important, is learning how to surrender yourself to God. I feel like when we accept the promise of salvation, that begins our process. We have the experience of all of these same things. We go through our failures, we go through our delays, Ultimately, we learn obedience. And it's all a part of the process. Each and every one of us have to go through this same process. There's no way we make it to the next step without going through this specific process. And I get that there's a mixed audience in here. Some people have been saved for a long time. Some people have been saved not very long. Some people might not even be saved right now. But the process is the same. You could be saved 35 years and still not know how to surrender yourself to God properly. I feel like it's at this point that we open the altar up and allow you the opportunity to surrender yourself fully and totally to God. You know, Christ is our high priest who forever stands in intercession for us. Everything that's going to be done is going to be done for his glory. And it's going to be done for your success. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to overcome. He doesn't want you to die in this battle. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to win the battle for your soul. Christ gave us a perfect blueprint on how to fully surrender yourself. And as we look at Abraham's story, I feel like that's more relatable. Everybody would say, sure, Jesus can do it. He was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He should be able to know how to surrender himself. But think about Abraham's story. How human Abraham is. All of those things Abraham had to go through, some of those wounds were self-inflicted, some of them not. He still had to endure. And once he did, he forever solidified himself as the father of faith. We each have the opportunity to leave some sort of legacy, some sort of heritage to everybody that comes after us. The promise that's made to us is for all of the people that we impact. That maturity, the character building, all of that stuff is to help us be who we need to be so we can properly serve God. And as we reach for that prize, everybody that we impact along the way is forever blessed because of it.
Hey, even if you don't need to give yourself to God today, maybe you need to re-surrender yourself. There's something you picked up along the way. You don't want to let it go. Let it go. Bring it to the altar and let it go. Why wait? You need to have the same sense of urgency with this that Abraham had when making that baby. It has to happen now.